I'm a I'm a Pennsylvania resident now, officially. Oh, congratulations! Officially, I know it's very good. My, you live my in the thirty seventh most exciting state in the union. <laughs> Welcome to The Crunch. It is your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. I feel like I've been hit by a giant rotating sledgehammer. And you look like it, too. Ah. I'm sorry. You walked right into that just like you walked into the sledgehammer. Mm. Mm. Painful. No, I've been sick for like three days. Yeah. How, how, I can't tell that if that helps. It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I don't need you to sense that I'm healthy. I just, I, I just need your sympathy. I just if need it helps, your sympathy. If it helps, I had a big bowl of chicken soup and I wasn't sick. So like, if you want me to give you the chicken soup, can you just, properties, can you just do like how birds do and then choke it back up for yeah. your, for your son to eat? <laughs> give me that little baby birds. Mama's going to feed you. Give me that soup sequel. Soup. Give me that soup. soup part two. <laughs> part, part soup. Hey, I got a question for you. I'm actually, yeah, what's up? Uh, never mind. I'm going to tweet that later. It's a good tweet. No, say it on our podcast. Content right. is king. That's true. Well, I'm just going to tweet this. So if you hear this jerk joke already, it's because I tweeted it right after this episode <laughs> concluded recording. Copyright. Says, if Vatican II was so good, how come they didn't make Vatican II too? <laughs> That's hilarious. That is, I thought no, that was you pretty funny. Do, what you should do is you should say, if Vatican I was so good, how come they never made a sequel so that everyone who's really funny will comment, what about Vatican II, idiot? No, I think saying Vatican II too is funnier than... Uh, <laughs> implying that Vatican II didn't exist, which people already do anyway. It's like, never mind. What? I was gonna say like other conspiracy theories, such as like how people think that like the moon landing never happened, or yeah. like how other tragedies didn't happen. Yeah, so, like some like the Holocaust. <laughs> I didn't want to uh-huh. say, it, but you just you were scared to say the word Holocaust. I was okay. I was reading a book earlier today, and it's about it's called Educated, and it's about this girl who like grew up in a survivalist family, like a super fundamentalist Mormon family. You were reading this they, book today, yeah. Is this the book by the podcast lady? No. Oh, okay. I was no, about no, no. to say it's like a combo book of like a woman talking about the Holocaust and also podcasts, which I think would be a great sell. The pod. The Paulist. The Pollock. Never mind. We're not going to do that. We're not doing <laughs> that here. We're not doing that. This is that. not a bit that we should be this getting. This is not a bit. But uh, this is, so this is, this book was like, it's like a memoir about this girl who like, she didn't go to high school, but she went to college. So she like self-educated into college. And so she's like, yeah, she's like really smart and all that, but she got to college and she was asked to read a painting and it was a painting of a man <clears throat> holding a piece of paper and he was like really thin and she was reading the caption of the painting and she stopped and she's like i don't know what that word is and everyone like stopped and like looked at her and she was like and the professor's like well thanks for that and she and the word was holocaust Uh uh-huh so in front of all these college kids she didn't know what the holocaust was because she hadn't been like you know educated in in a um in high school she was just like educated at home and her parents never told her about it what a thing to leave out right and like and it's funny because leave out long division for sure but like yeah easy definitely (laughs) include the holocaust joke yeah that's and so like that's unfortunate but she was just a kid so she was like yeah i'll just let everyone think that i'm a horrible person instead of admitting that i didn't know what the holocaust was (laughs) it's funny there are gonna be catholics 
Catholic kids who are getting homeschooled right now who are going to go to like a cathedral and point at a picture of Pope Francis and be like, what's that? What's that? Who's that? Who's guy? that? I've never seen him before. What is this? What is this very <laughs> smiley, nice man who looks both like my grandfather and a potato? I've never seen that name before. Yeah. What's a Francis? <laughs> There's really going to do that for any pope elected after Pius XII. Yeah, really. That's that's funny. That's a funny. You know who the most? You know who the most? Uh, the most life teen pope of all time is Pope uh, Pius X. I was going to say John the Twenty Third, but nope. Pope Pius the Tenth. Why? Soul, Soul the Apostolate yeah. is like all Pius X. Pope Pius X it was the first one to kind of say the word active participation in the liturgical yeah. life. He was all yeah, about so that. If you're a real trad, you would like us. Yeah, exactly. You would go to Life Teen Youth Group and you would you would go to focus conferences like SLS 2020, baby. Whoa. Isn't Speaking it crazy? Speaking of that, that transition, like seamless transition. A month away. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's crazy. It's a month away, and we're going to be there. And actually, a month from now, it's going to be over. So that's, it's no, less no, no, than no, a month no. away. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess it is. It ends on the third. Dang. And so, first of all, in a month, it's going to be 2020, so that's crazy. And also, in a month, Ethan and I will be at SLS 2020. So what are your New Year's Eve plans? My New Year's Eve plans is not to be next to my beautiful fiance and give her a kiss to ring in the new year. No, it's to be next to my boy. And give him a kiss as we ring in the new year. <laughs> oh, boy. On December 31st at SLS 2020. It would have been funny if you had said, I'm going to be with my fiance, my beautiful fiance, and I'm going to give give my fiance a big old kiss on the cheek. That's right. I'm going to be with Ethan on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I'm going to be with Ethan on New Year's Eve. <laughs> if you try to kiss me with that, that beard on that face... I'm not responsible for what I'm not, I'm not responsible for it leaving your face. Yeah, I'm... exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's right to rip someone's beard off their face for trying to kiss them. No, especially that's, that's if it's illegal. one of your boys. <laughs> no, if it's one of your boys, you have to let them. That's the um, thing. But if your boy, if your boy rips your beard out, you just got to turn the other cheek. Turn the, Oh, clever. There it is. Um, are we, we're recording on New Year's Eve night. At like yeah, nine o'clock ish, and there's a Matt Marr concert happening like very soon after. So. Ah, so plenty of people will come to our recording. So R.I.P. in peace. Oh, okay, <laughs> never mind. You guys, you and, you and I have different opinions of how many people are going to go to the Matt Marr concert. I think here's the thing. I don't if think our. I think Matt Marr concert. I think the audience. I don't think listen the, to our show. <laughs> I think the two. Uh, I think the the people who will go to the Matt Marr concert at SLS twenty and the people who will come to the Crunch Catholic podcast Venn diagram are two circles. I think it's, it's just two separate circles. It's two separate circles. So I think we're safe. They they told us explicitly they want the more upbeat and fun podcasts recording at night, and I I tend to agree, except. Catching Foxes recorded at night, and then Father Mike Schmitz held a meet and greet, and no one showed up to their show. I'm worried that our we had the biggest audience is going to be toppled by our our our, our priestly boys. We're just going to have clerically speaking. Are they are they doing a meetup on New Year's Eve? No. Well, then just you work with Father Anthony, so tell him when our show is, and make sure he doesn't plan anything or when we're. No, recording. I'm saying I'm saying I think their audience is going to be bigger than ours. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> the, but our throne, the collar has weight, Patrick. It does. Until, Heavy hangs the neck. Until one of us gets ordained. <laughs> that wears the collar. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm getting married in less than a year. Hey, so God willing. Move over, ladies. <laughs> Ethan Stevie's putting on the habit. <laughs> oh, man. I had a, uh, I've had multiple people ask me to go to a discernment retreat weekend. 
please if you become so. a priest please for the love of god become a diocesan priest because oh, yeah. if you're if you're superior and they might not let you do a podcast but diocesan priests apparently they can do whatever the hell they want that's true if i were to become <laughs> a priest I'd, i think i would become a diocesan priest because it seems like they have the most flexibility when it comes to attire you yes know? like yeah yeah they can wear the black they wear the black every day and they got the color on but like a somber color it doesn't necessarily have to be black it's somber color but also i've seen priests kind of in shorts you know and flip-flops <laughs> clerical shorts clerical shorts and polos it's like yeah. what, what are you doing father i'm going golfing okay all right you can't, you're fun. not going to see a dominican in full habit going golfing that's all i'm going to say i i think that they should all the time <laughs> i think that they Here's should the too Here's the thing. I, in my humble opinion, I would rather wear a habit all the time, not because I'm holy, but because I don't like having to wash pants. I don't wash my pants. <laughs> dresses are. Listen, I'm so mad that boys dresses can't wear look dresses. So comfortable. I'm so mad boys can't wear dresses. Patrick, I've got good news for you. It's 2019. It's 2019. <laughs> because I, I've, I, I will die on this hill. <laughs> I will die on this hill because it is so hot. When whenever whenever the modesty argument would come up at high school, and the girls would always be like, "I have to wear shorts that go down to like my fingertips." It's so hot in Florida. That's and I'm like, "Hey, listen, bub, I weigh 240 pounds, and I can't wear a tank top, and no one, God, no one would want me to. Don't don't complain. I have to wear a three piece suit in July for my wedding, and holy crap, I'm not looking forward to that." Oh my gosh, that's not going to be fun. But girls can wear dresses. That's one layer of fabric. I think that... Is this not a relatable bit? No, I. what I'm thinking was, is we should have a piece of propaganda with a, a guy wearing a bandana and flexing. And it says, we can do it up top. And instead of it and being... this little asterisk. <laughs> instead of it being Rosie the Riveter telling women that you can, you can work for the war efforts, it'll be David the Dressman... And it'll be about how men can wear dresses. <laughs> this is perfect. So I think this is great. Somebody I think can somebody mock that up for me. This is bipartisan appeal. See, this is completely bipartisan appeal because it it's not bipartisan. Bipartisan. But do you when you say bipartisan, do you mean both men and women? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's both. It's both the sexes. It's bisexual appeal. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep on moving on here. <laughs> this guy over here making jokes. Huh? That, was pretty, that was a pretty edgy crunch joke. Mm-hmm. That's not a, that's not a really good. pushing the boundaries here. I've been towing the line these past couple weeks. You have. Speaking of towing the line. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's jump into Hot Take Time Machine. Oh, crap. Welcome to Hot Take Time Machine. Hot Take Time Machine is the part of the show where Ethan quickly struggles for content. (laughs) And we take a deep dive into our social media posting. Ethan, I'll give you a break. Okay, thank you. Are you looking for one? I've got one. Okay, that's good. Then I'll go first anyway. Thank you. you We need to listen to each other's hot takes. Yeah, I would like to listen. August 11th, 2011. I know the exact context of this so i'll explain that in a minute look i know you're nervous about high school but you don't need to go and be a jerk to me to mask your insecurities just chill jeez who hurt you i flamed this kid um let's call him 
Chauncey. And um, this kid was friends with my buddy. And we were in our history class the first day of school. And I was telling a story and he kept like interrupting me and making fun of me. And I was like, he's probably just nervous and like not he feels like out of his element and there's this random kid talking to his friend. So he's probably not being mean on purpose, but I decided right. to be mad at him for the rest of my life anyway. Patrick. And I was, I was mad at him until like for like two straight years. Um, and then we reconciled at my friend's sweet 16 birthday party. We were just standing and he was like, whatever happened between us? And I was like, I don't know. I knew full well, but I didn't know. I was like, I don't know. And he's like, let's just forgive each other. And I was like, this is good. I like this. So now we're buddies. Wow. Isn't that fun? I That is fun. It's very wholesome. This is a wholesome take time machine. It is. Yeah. Um, not a lot Harry of jokes. Harry Potter could never forgive Draco Malfoy. Not a lot of jokes to be made about it, unfortunately. No, it's true. It's just, I just wanted to, there's, there's some, there's some, we have, we have a good hot take time machine from our good pal, Andrew Jordan. So that will oh, give us some laughs. Okay, yeah. good, 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 good. Would you like to go though? Yeah, I can do mine. Um. It is something that is loading right now. That's good. That's good. it's right here. Okay. <clears throat> oh, great. This is from 1.48 p.m., August 13th, 2013. No likes, no retweets on this guy. So <laughs> you know that it's, it's something that the people really liked. I honestly don't know why Obama has so much security. Why would the terrorists take him out? He's better at their job than they are. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and people say I talk about politics too much. Uh, well, this was me talking about politics uh, six years ago. Six years ago. So <laughs> I think there was a lot that left to be learned from me. Um, I Yeah, I don't think I should ever. That was after That was after he took out Osama bin Laden. Yeah, I don't think I should. Himself on his own. Absolutely advocate for the work of terrorism even if it's indirectly <laughs> through the president of these united states i went back oh, and i watched uh i watched jerry seinfeld's comedian in cars getting coffee with president barack obama is he wait he did a comedians in cars getting coffee with barack obama that's correct that's kind of silly yeah it was fun i guess is barack obama a comedian he he the, the qualification that he used was because he made jokes at the white house correspondence dinner that he qualifies as a comedian Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, which, if that's your standard for comedy, yikes. <laughs> but my whole thing was, just looking at Obama, I was just kind of remembering those times when he was the president, and I was thinking to myself, huh, that was different. Not like, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was better. It's I think it's evens it, out, it evens out, like, the the bad parts between both, you know? Oh, you mean, you mean between... Obama, Barack and Obama, and yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Donald Trump doesn't hate nuns. Um, <laughs> but we got all the you got the big red Coke button, you know, that you have to worry yeah. about. Yeah, and he hates o- a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, Obama's like friendly, and it seems like you could talk to him, but also he hates nuns and the unborn. So yeah. it's like <laughs> kind of tough. So I think that was I could only focus on the on the one aspect of like oh, I hate this president because he's a Democrat, and you you know and. <laughs> There was no I such think, thing as nuance for me when I was a senior in high school. Who would have yeah, thought? Yeah, it's like you believe in this. Yeah, I think I think Barack Obama is definitely someone that you could sit down and get a beer with. But, um, and at least you, at least I feel like he would talk to you about politics. You know, he would like t- yeah. he would like listen to you when you're talking. 
and he would care even even if it is just because you would be a constituent right right maybe it is motivated by selfishness i don't know his heart but i do know that if you talk to donald trump it would be completely motivated by selfishness (laughs) absolutely i think it's interesting that we qualify like how good a president is based on how much you can sit down and have a beer with him him. and i think it's funny because you and i grew up in an age with like the two most likely can sit down and have a beer with presidents that we've ever had right except for maybe like George. george washington you know George W. Bush didn't drink, though. He didn't. But no, he didn't. You, but you could have a sweet but tea you could, with him. Yeah, sweet tea on his ranch. But then you have – it's it's like – but they're buffered by two of the presidents that I would least want to have any sort of alcoholic beverage oh with. Oh, my gosh. And I'm a man. I don't think if you hang out with Bill Clinton, you have a choice. He's drinking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how you know how some people have like – never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep going. Please keep going. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, and I don't, I know that this is not medically well-founded and I, I've never pretended to be a doctor of any of the arts or sciences. I have definitely. But I was going to say, doctor. you know how some people have catheters? Well, I think, you know, I, some people, I think hey, you guys Clinton, ever heard of a cat? <laughs> you folks ever heard of this thing? You guys ever heard of one of these? What is the it's, deal with cats? It's like the, the new, it's like the hoverboard, uh, it's new craze. All the kids are getting them. <laughs> Um, Healy's. I was going to say Bill Clinton's got a catheter, but in reverse with alcohol, which I guess is just like <laughs> that's an IV IV drip. Yeah, but, yeah, but not down there. Not that's, that, no. I don't think he has it down there. I was going to say he had it like injecting into his arm. So I was going to say like a reverse nicotine patch, but it's a. I don't know how that would work. Suppository IVs. Yes, thank you. You know, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for <laughs> for taking my idea of a reverse catheter and turning it into something that's real and already exists. No, it's a suppo- I mean, the suppository is um, in the butt. Suppository? Yeah, suppository. Is that what that like, means? A suppository pill means it goes the other way. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, that was the joke that I made. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I thought suppository meant like. I suppose it goes. <laughs> I suppose it could go wherever you want. Or like it was a, is extra supplies. Like I was thinking yeah. of the word like. it Supplies. It, supplies. <laughs> who do you think i would just say probably a lot of presidents teddy roosevelt he would just he would just go off into the woods for a month at a time i could hang out with him teddy roosevelt like if i don't know if he existed when cameras did yeah he did um but like not too many people (laughs) because i know what he looks like outside painting um but like I feel like Teddy Roosevelt is someone that you would accidentally have a beer with. You know, like if you're just a guy who like is a cowboy, you don't like pay attention to newspapers, you know, and you just run into him and you sit down and then you walk away and someone goes, wow, I didn't know you were friends with the president of the United States. And you're like, who the who now? I feel like that's Teddy Roosevelt. You'd accidentally have a beer with him. That's you know? true. I, th- I think it's. I don't think that the ability to have a beer with someone makes them a necessarily good president. But I think it's funny that that's always what people talk about. It does. It, the The. The. What we're talking about here is we're talking about like personability, which is important when you are a president or a public figure, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good person. It might mean that you're a sociopath and you're really good at what you do. Yeah. You know what else I just watched? Last Yesterday when I was sick, I watched a documentary, which is how you know I was really sick. Yeah. Was it a Shane Dawson documentary? Because no, that doesn't count. No. I watched uh, the Netflix documentary on Fire Festival, which I had put off <laughs> watching for a long time. Which one? Though I don't remember. I think it was... The, the greatest party that never happened or something like that. Mm. Um, 
And it sounds the- like my tenth birthday party. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it sounds like that Bible study that I planned that nobody came to two Ouch. weeks ago. What's My up? First youth night. What's up, guys? If you're listening to this, I know. I know you skipped. I know you um, skipped it. <laughs> I was, Thanksgiving week. What the heck? I said two weeks. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, they got no excuse. So anyway. the guy, Billy McFarland, that planned the whole fire Festival thing, yeah. he, they, everybody kept telling him his whole life, you're the best entrepreneur I've ever met. Like, you're, I'm going to be working for you one day. You've got all this yeah. great charisma, this great charm. And he was. he seemed to be very charming. And very good at selling and saying all the right words to get people to believe in a vision and in a mission. But he was committing fraud the whole time and stole oh $30 million from a bunch of investors so that he could pretend to live this grand lifestyle while actually <laughs> not paying anybody to do any of the work that they were doing. It was crazy. Um, but That's it makes what we me call in the business the long con. Exactly. But it makes me think of like guys like that who can sell anything to anybody. What were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about personability. I was like, we're talking about the presidents. We're talking about the presidents, and it's like there's this there's this line between how personal is a dude to the point where you're going to give yeah. him millions of dollars and trust him to run something, or like vote for him and trust him to run the country, and like there needs to be a certain amount of honesty. And I think the more you get to know people, the more you can kind of detect it. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I think smart people and dumb people can be, can get tricked, but also smart people and dumb people can not get tricked, too. And there's that, this like weird sense of like, can you see through what somebody's trying to sell you? And it yeah. takes it's it's a skill that has to be honed, and I don't know what that virtue is called. You I know? mean, now that you when you see presidents after they're in office, I think you get a little bit more of a glimpse into who they are. Yeah, you know. I mean, I guess, like, the last couple of presidents, because they're dynasties, they don't. Because, like, bad press for them means bad press for their brother or, be, or bad press for their spouse, uh-huh. respectively. Yeah. Um, but, like, Barack Obama post-presidency, he's not running again. No. He's not connected. I mean, he he advocates for people. You know, he's still politically active in a sense. But, like, honestly, it doesn't really matter what people think about him now because, like, he's politically, he's done. He's He doesn't need to run anymore. Right. And I think that he's shown based on his post office activities that he is a respectable person at least yeah you know buying, um, buying I think, a 12 I think million dollar Bush... home really helps with that oh did he oh yeah oh boy zoinks zoinks i mean you can't exactly live like down the street from pete you know just normal, you know it's true <laughs> you can't you can't just move into like i was gonna reference a subdivision in my hometown that wouldn't have made any sense please don't. um i would know. like to hear andrew jordan's hot take time machine okay first of all andrew jordan Good friend of the show, good friend of the podcast. Um, every time I picture him, I picture that meme of Keanu Reeves from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, okay, like, surprise Keanu. That's yeah. uh, that's how I picture Andrew Jordan. Um, so Andrew Jordan, this is your this is your hot take. Welcome to the show. Hi Pat, here's my hot take time machine. It's a real hot take against Charles Gibson. So I don't know if you know who Charles Gibson is. I don't. Apparently, Charles Gibson is the uh, the host of the World News with Charles Gibson. Mm. back back then so this is what he said saturn car manufacturer has become quote the unproductive and unwanted stepchild nice charles gibson from september 30th 2009 i i don't get that at all i don't know who is saturn charles still, gibson would i recognize him if charles i charles charles gibson Now comes the part of the show where Patrick and Ethan Google something. Now comes the part of the show where we're so confused at somebody else's references. I don't even recognize this guy. Wait, how old is Andrew now? He's my age. Andrew, 
why why do you, why were you watching the world news at 13 years old yeah uh oh he died wait no he didn't die it says years yeah. active, which I take to mean years alive, but apparently that means <laughs> Yeah, years, years active doing what? I'm still active. I go to the years, grocery store, I go to the gym, you know. On this earth oh my ambulating. Gosh. Um <laughs> Okay. He also says, Love you, love the show, love it. Thanks, Andrew Jordan. Thanks, Andrew Jordan. Do you mean do you love World News with Charles Gibson? Because no, you should only love the crunch. His middle crunch name is, is DeWolf. That's a pretty Why didn't he just go by that when he was on the news? Maybe oh then more people would know who he is. Hey, did you watch the news last night with DeWolf? <laughs> DeWolf? That's crazy. I just got I just got another email with four hot take time machines from James Couts. Launch them. Okay, Rapid I'm, fire. I'm, I'm, oh my gosh, that one's a hot take. Fire all right, the I'm, I'm looking I'm looking through all three of them. All right. Sorry, four of them. All right. Uh let's let's do let's do the David Letterman one. This one comes from James Couts at uh 8:45 p.m. on the 8th of August 2012. At some point David Letterman is going to get dementia and no one will notice. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think David Letterman is a is an interesting man. Have you seen his beard lately? Oh, it's awesome. It just went out there. I was I'm so I don't recognize him. What I wish he would have done is do, did that while he was still on TV. I recognize He's like him. late night Gandalf. He is. You're not allowed to have a beard on um on late night unless you're Conan O'Brien. Yeah, why is that? Because he's Conan O'Brien. I think it's because Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel can't grow beards. Jimmy Kimmel can grow a beard. I've never seen it. Jimmy Kimmel I think has a beard. Actually, I think I'm wrong. Jimmy Kimmel grows beards all the time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to record a video of Jimmy Kimmel and I'm going to say to him Guess what, Jimmy? I ate all of your beard hairs. <laughs> and watch him cry. He just cries. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's even Colbert can grow a beard. That's true. But it's like it's like a sand. Oh, my gosh. His beard does, is not black. Yeah, it's white. It's just a white boy beard. Guess what that means he does to his hair. <laughs> Everybody listening. Growing to this. a white beard when you have black hair is like the biggest self own you could possibly do. Everybody listening to this should go watch Eddie Burback's video on late night hosts. It's, I watched it. Yeah, really it made good. me like Stephen Colbert less, and it made did. me like Conan so much more. Absolutely, that's where I was. I already have not liked Colbert for a while, but yeah. I think I've always thought that Conan was the best one. And some people get mad at me. They're like, "Are you kidding me? Conan O'Brien is the worst." And I'm like, "That's you don't understand comedy." He seems like the most genuine. Again, he seems like the most genuine person. He's the most naturally funny as well. I would I would just get uncomfortable when Jimmy Kimmel, sorry, Jimmy Fallon laughs at all of my jokes at the wrong time. And I've noticed this too before Eddie even said it in the video about how Stephen Colbert is just a bad interviewer. Like I watched some episode where he had on I don't even remember who it was. It was someone important. But I was watching it. I was like, "Man, this is this is just dull." This yeah. is just not good because he would interrupt and say his own stuff. And it's like, that's where Conan is so great is that he can keep a, a, a guest going on something if they're really struggling or he can just, somebody, if somebody's going off, he just, lets him, he just lets them go. You know, I so, wish, I wish we had those interview skills. I wish we had an interview. I was, okay, we haven't had an interview in a while. I hey, um, we should do one. Info at the crunchcast.com. We should change that email address. Info at the crunchcast.com. Who should we interview? And don't say you. Yeah, we're not. If you say interview me, put me on the podcast immediately. You are banned. 
That's one of We're the reasons. We're gonna block you from downloading the podcast. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do a rebrand is so missionaries would stop coming up to me and say, "Hey, can I be on the podcast?" It's yeah, because like, it's not like it's a different podcast now. Different podcast now. The rebrand. <laughs> That's why you need to do your focus only podcast. Yeah, I know. I've been working on that, but they don't answer my emails, so. I would listen to that podcast. I would do, produce that podcast. Curtis Martin, if you're listening, and I know that and you I are. know you are. <laughs> um, um, one of the one of one of the I, I will say this one of the, Doctor Phil. Is on a lot on a lot of PewDiePie videos. <laughs> he's my favorite late night talk show host. He's my favorite middle of the day talk show host. Who do you and, think you are? And he he said something. He was interviewing two people that were like gen z oh it was the it was the people that um started the licking the ice cream in the grocery store craze i he had them uh, on their show uh what the what craze wait you don't you don't remember this i don't i don't know things okay a while back there were people that were just going into grocery stores licking ice cream and putting it back they were like like taking the top off the ice cream licking it putting the top back on and putting it on the shelf oh because disease is good for everyone yeah no it's because they it's because they knew they would get clout Clout. Momentary clout. 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 What does it profit a man if he gains all the clout and loses his soul <laughs> and gets banned from Walmart for life? What does but it no, profit a man this? if he gains all the ice cream and loses his health because some kid with <laughs> herp licked his ice cream? <laughs> yeah, so it was the kids that started this trend, and they went on Dr. Phil, and they were like, people are just mad. Like, my family's just mad because, like, I have clout, and, like, they're nobody stop they did not i say know that. it was i i think it was a bit like it, had it looked to like been. a bit it had to have been a bit but these people seem pretty gen their attitude didn't change from like their their persona in the video to like the dr oh, phil show no. and dr phil was like dr phil was like here's the thing my friend i've met a lot of celebrities and it tends to be the more famous they are the more humble they are and the more like the clout chasers are like the people who are actually nobody in Hollywood and they just want people to think they're important. Are we clout chasers, Patrick? I think that we need here's the thing. This is why we need to be famous is so that we're humble. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's put the cart before that horse, huh? Yeah, exactly. No, here's hey everyone. Make me a celebrity so that I can be really humble and then go to heaven. Thank you. Ding. Please. Thanks, Mark Wahlberg. Hot take time machine over. Wee, 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 wee. Should I play it in reverse at the end of the segment? Yes, you should. All and right. now for our new to... segment, Crunch on That, where we talk about a thing. Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> well done. Crunch on that. Crunch on that. This is our podcast. Crunch on that. I'm I'm waiting to see if you've got more to the jingle that you're coming up with as moment to moment. You know you want to <laughs> crunch on this <laughs> open your mouth nope <laughs> oh you're it's you're fired you're fired you're not allowed to do anymore i if uh, i have a couple bet. requests to our audience at large if you have an idea for uh, a jingle <laughs> that you'd like to write please uh send me an email also if you would like to host this show with me send me an email because i'm looking for a new co-host as it stands right now <laughs> open your teeth and masticate <laughs> i just imagine when you said open your teeth like my teeth having hinges at the halfway mark and they all just like bend and it looks like i have double nom, nom. rows of teeth horrendous um Don't forget to brush this is great a great lead-in 
I'm assume I'm doing this assuming you're cutting it all out. <laughs> no, this is all going in. Oh my gosh, people are gonna listen to me singing that at like two times speed. It's gonna be weird. <laughs> yeah, that will be weird. Does anybody listen to this show at two x speed? Oh, I have to. Uh, why do you listen to our show? In order to improve. Mm, that's mm. why I don't listen. And then I pull up to a place and I like see a friend and I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like listening to me, watching me listen to my own show, and it's like really weird. I never. Uh, what's the? What is it that Edna Mode says? I never live in the past. No capes. No capes. That's why I can't re-listen to episodes because it's I can't stay in the past. I always gotta be looking forward. Um, today, so we were on the telephone earlier. <laughs> we were, we were, yeah, sorry, we were talking on the phone earlier about lots of different things. And Patrick was saying to me, he's saying, Ethan, I want to go go karting for my bachelor. Party. I want to go go karting for my bachelor party. And I said, No, <laughs> I actually didn't say no. I'm totally down. I was trying to take. Yeah, notes. there's a really cool place like five minutes from my house. We could talk about that later. <laughs> Do you have any of the high scores there? In go karting? Yeah. Um, no, there's they a, don't keep score. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. There's a place here in Tulsa that keeps your time. Oh. You like, first of all, you have to pay money to do yeah. it, which makes sense. But you also get to create an account. And so oh. <laughs> you get to see like where you rank in comparison to every other person. To who's everyone who's ever, ever raised that track. It's kind of cool to see like, oh man, I'm in the top 10,000 people that have ever done this. <laughs> you know, it's, there's a, uh, there's a racetrack that I never got to go on cause I haven't been, but since I got my driver's license. There's one where you have to have a driver's license to do it. Oh. And I've always wanted to do oh, that Oh, that's one. so cool. I love I driving. I love just hitting the open I, road I with my just, boys. I love just jetting around corners and drifting. Knocking into my boys. <laughs> what are you talking about? Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this so we were talking on the phone patrick saying to me ethan what have you been thinking about lately for a topic and i said boy howdy do i ever have something and this is me kicking it a bit old school yeah because we haven't talked about uh our prayer lives in a while no we haven't which i think is a travesty um certainly not something to bring up every day but Something to bring up occasionally because I like to hear how your prayer is going and I like to share how my prayer is going. And I think it's important for other people to hear about how our prayer is going. So I it's it's been going okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, same. It's well it was uh there are a couple things that happened. Like I was last year I was really struggling a lot, like just staying awake and then this summer happened and that was really good, and then I got back into the school year, and I've been really good at like having a nice routine of showing up to prayer, making sure I get like at least thirty minutes of just mental prayer, mm-hmm. you know, in my holy hour, and then like splitting it up between reading um, some of the Old Testament, reading some of the New Testament, and then if I still have time left over after all of that, reading from a spiritual book. And I've gotten to this really good routine, but lately I've like been moving away from scripture even more. Not that that's bad, mm-hmm. um, but just trying to read scripture and other times of the day and then just really like letting my holy hour just be me and Jesus and like I'll bring yeah. my journal in. And this is the the thing that I wanted to kind of broach because I was I was home over Thanksgiving break, which was last week, and I was really struggling. <clears throat> I missed prayer like on Thanksgiving and that was kind of annoying. It was hard to avoid cause I was with family all day. So it's like hard to yeah. s- to go leave for an hour, you know, and then come back and like be alone. Yeah. yeah. So 
I, I wasn't super beat up about it, um, but it was it was tough, tougher than I thought it was going to be to like make the time to drive to a chapel or even just go up to my room and pray for a while. Um, and I went to mass on I, I think Friday, like Black Friday. It was mass at noon, which I love going to mass at noon because it means I don't have to get up early. And I was praying, uh, <laughs> yeah, af- baby, afterwards, and I was like really reflecting on how much I need other things besides God to make me feel like I'm happy, hmm. which is not new. That's like the eternal, that's like the whole reason that we sin is because we think we can get happiness some other way besides God. Yeah. We think we can hack it. We can hack it. Sorry, God. We got life. We got life hacks. But as we are want of saying on the crunch podcast, you can't trick God, you know, like he is happiness. <laughs> he is joy. So you can't like get that without him. He's you not, can't you can't sneak in at night and like take happiness for yourself out of the fridge and like trick them. Yeah, and so I it, it kind of began over a couple of days this rumination mm. on what is happiness, what is love, what is this joy that I'm really looking for because I've looked for it in women and that hasn't worked. I've looked for it in success on social media and that certainly has not certainly backfired (laughs) more than once (laughs) almost exclusively Uh, i've looked for it in the opposite in like video games and movies and media and sleep and friends and sports and all these things and it's just every time i come up short and i'm like hmm what's going on here and so i had this i had this conversation with my friend um He's actually a seminarian. I don't know if he'll listen to this or not. His name's, funnily enough, is also Andrew, but I've known him for a long time. And we had this, I thought it was going to be like a phone call where we would just like check in and be like, hey, what's up? How's seminary? Oh, it's good. How's mission life? Oh, it's good. Cool. I'll, I'll see you later. Bye. But it ended Bye. up being a 45-minute long conversation about hmm. like the stuff that he's working through and the stuff that he's praying through and like how he sees prayer. And we talked a lot about mission specific to, to the campus that I'm at and all of that, but he was saying over and over again, like the, the sacred heart is, is so important and like drawing close to the sacred heart. And I was like, that kind of prompted a tweet. I don't know if you saw it that I did the other day about devotion. I was like, what even is a devotion? Does it just mean that you bring up this thing in every conversation and you shoehorn it in to let everybody know <laughs> that you're devoted to that thing? Or is it like, is there a meetup that I can go to to like become devoted? <laughs> I was like struggling. I was like, what does that even mean to be devoted to the Sacred Heart? And so I went, and this was this was the best. So I went to prayer on, I think Monday, whatever day it was before I got sick, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sunday or Monday, and I was just imagining, like being with Jesus, and being close to the sacred heart, which I usually am imagining like being John, you know, and resting on the breast of Christ. Mm-hmm. And that I, you see all those images. I don't know if there's a better one. I would like to have it commissioned. If I could get, if I could ever get a piece of art commissioned, it would be, um, it would be like kind of the, the picture of Jesus holding like creep. We called him creepy Jesus growing up. Cause he has the I'm heart a phone call right now. Ignore it. I'm, t- I'm bearing my heart. To I will. You. Can you pick it up and hang it down really quick? No, she'll know that I did that. It's Sister Annie, so I, got, I was worried oh. I was going to get that. Oh, no. I was. I heard the phone ring in the other room, and I was like, I'm going to get a phone call. The podcast I'll call her back. It's fine. Okay. So what I, keep, I would love to get a piece of artwork commissioned because I've seen, like, with Jesus having the Sacred Heart exposed, you know, in that classic image that all of our grandmothers have in her house. Yes. I would like to see that the heart, but, like, on fire. I don't know if this exists anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
because I know that God's heart is on fire for me. And I know that that image is like repeated, um, at least through a lot of saints meditations. I don't know if it's any, you would know this better than me if it was like in scripture anywhere of like Jesus's heart being on fire for the disciples or being on fire for people. Um, I don't know if it's anywhere explicitly, but like, it's something that I've gone back to a lot. Yeah. Like, especially when I was talking about kind of my breakthrough at training, um, a couple months ago of like seeing Jesus's heart on fire for me and wanting my heart to be as much on fire for him as it was for me. And so I was thinking about that. And then I was also, so it was, it was that image of like me resting on the breast of Jesus, Jesus's heart being on fire. And then I was also thinking of that that silly Curtis Martin uh, metaphor that he always comes up with, <laughs> where it's like if you touch a, a – if you get a, a piece of iron really, really hot, you know, and you stick it into the fire, if you per- touch a piece of wood to that iron, it'll it'll ignite almost immediately. Yeah. And so I was imagining that sort of ignition of like where you just literally just kind of like tap a, a hot mm-hmm. iron to a piece of wood and it, you know, it lights yeah. up. And so I was thinking about – the closer that I draw to Jesus, the more likely it is that I will be lit on fire with this sort of divine love that he has for me. And so imagine like me hugging Christ. And then like after a few seconds, I just like light on fire and I don't really know what that means, but then, (laughs) but then it's, it's, but then the other properties of fire, right? Is that like it dies down and you need to keep feeding a fire and you can't like, it needs fuel yeah it needs fuel and also when we make fires as humans we put up like walls around that fire to make sure it can't spread outside of a certain area mm-hmm. and so i was going through all of this and i was like okay so i'm this fire and i draw close to jesus and when i'm with him it's very easy to be on fire and i can go back to him right away and like that'll keep me going but then when i when i leave or when i walk away then i put up these walls around myself to prevent me from like being on fire with other people and like spreading Mm -hmm. that fire to other people. So those are things like saying that I don't have enough time to, to spread this fire to somebody else. I don't have enough energy um, that they'll be actually pushed further away. If I try to spread it to them because they're not ready yet. Yeah. Um, Or, Oh, there was one other one that I was thinking about. Um, I don't remember what it was, but there are, there are a couple of things that I was thinking of like, man, this is really unfortunate that like I put up all these walls around my own fire and then eventually I die down and I'm like, well, why the heck is nobody around me catching on fire for the <laughs> Lord? What's going on here? Yeah. And then recognizing that like when we get to be with the Eucharist, when we get to not just in adoration, but like in the mass and receive him into ourselves, like that should be the thing that reignites the fire you know every single time that we go to mass for me it's every single day and it's like do i actually allow the fire to be on for longer than just when i'm in the mass or do as soon as i leave do i kind of like when i put out a fire when i'm with people i pee on the fire and so (laughs) like do i just immediately like pee on my own fire and put it out and say like thanks jesus but i don't want this to burn any longer than it has to um so so this that's all kind of what I've been praying about and thinking about the past couple of days. And I would like to hear your thoughts, your opinions. Go. So soul of the apostolate. Love this book. Great book. I've been reading it. Phenomenal book. You've read it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So 
what you were saying about fire reminds me of what he's saying about water. And I didn't really put this together because you like, I, they're obviously opposites, right? But like they have the same properties in the sense that they do need to continuously be fed in order to continue flowing or burning, right? And so yes. he, he says like, you can only evangelize from your excess. If you're not filled by God, then you can't evangelize effectively yeah. outside of like a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, he also says that like, he, the whole book is about the juxtaposition between an interior life and an active life. Interior life being prayer, active life meaning literally everything else, and how um, only an act, only an interior life, can make an active life something that's fruitful. Mm-hmm. And without passing on interior life to the people that you're evangelizing, your movement, your apostolate, will only survive while you're there. It won't survive its founder, essentially. Yeah. And of course, those words were very important to me as a youth minister who's like founding a youth ministry, right? Like building up a youth ministry that I hope will last after I leave, right? And it kind of convicted in me, right? This like, oh my gosh, I need to really teach my kids how to pray. Like if I taught these, if we taught these kids how to pray now while they're freshmen and they prayed all throughout high school, they would be able to survive all of the stupid (laughs) crap that (laughs) I did when I was a youth kid, a youth group kid Mm -hmm. in high school, right? Game changer. One, I had a conversation with one of these kids. I told you about it last week, but like he did something stupid that I did when I was a senior. And I was like, oh gosh, like I hope he gets over this now so that he can be better than I was, you know, when he can be a better, you gotta be better than than I I was was. kid. You gotta be better than I was kid. Don't go down the path. If you, (laughs) if you, if you keep going down that path, you can end up with a hole in your neck that you breathe through. Um, smoking was not a part of (laughs) so he talks about he talks about the need to be filled and then he talks about like what an interior life does in a person Mm -hmm. and he says the interior life makes the apostle radiate sanctity yeah Um, yes and that's very like fiery Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah yeah. so that you can oh and i have oh my gosh this is perfect i have this little thing written on my my uh my computer right here this is great um the prophet rose like a fire and his word burned like a torch. Sirach 48.1. Ooh. And. Oh, yes. I was praying with Sirach 2 because Sirach chapter 2, it's yeah. for gold is tested, tested in fire, fire and worthy men in the crucible of humiliation. Classic. Ugh, it's so but good. Bonaventure yeah. takes that verse. The prophet rose, he burned, and he spoke. Mm-hmm. And so, or sorry, he, he burned, he rose, and he spoke. And he says, in order to speak, you have to first stand. And in order to stand, you have to first burn. In order to preach. There's a lot of uh, logistics in this metaphor. Yes. So you're telling me that in order to stand up, I got to be on fire? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. So you- In order to preach, in order to preach, you have to stand. And in order to stand, you have to first be lit on fire. Okay, by so Holy it's Spirit. like the the God initiating in you. Yes. The, yeah. the fire to speak. Then you. So don't stand until you, you're done praying. Then you responding to that initiation, you cooperating with that yeah. grace, standing up, and then speaking with the boldness yes. that the Spirit gives you. I like that. Yeah. And so he kind of he kind of equates it with like the three movements of the soul, right? The purgative, illuminative, and unitive way. I love right? that. Have we talked it's about so that good. before? Um, we definitely have and should more. Did somebody, I think it was might have been Father Anthony, or maybe it was on catching foxes where they were maybe it was gomer talking about like the purgative sense of the of the soul or something and i was like that's yeah 
that's all I've ever wanted to know about. And the illuminative so, stage and all these things. I was like, where does that even buy the fulfillment of all desire? Can you tell me buy fulfillment this? of all desire. Buy that book. If you want to learn how to like, if you want to know the path, it's a thick book, but it's like a compilation. It's like a compendium of spirituality of all the spiritual writers of the church. Fulfillment. It's such a good book. Of all desire. Of all desire. And he, he organizes it purgative, which is where you begin like purging your sinfulness. Illuminative is when you start to like at the light of Christ. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And then unitive is when you become one with the Trinity. <gasps> when you're aware of. Yeah. That's all I want. And so Thomas Aquinas, it's, it's called the film of all desire. I know. Thomas Aquinas <laughs> plays this, plays it out linearly. Uh-huh. Right. Like he says that first you go through purgative, then illuminative, then unitive. Bonaventure kind of flips the script and says it all happens at once, but in an order. So like you go through the purgative stage, but in the purgative stage, there's a purgative, unitive, and illuminative stage. Then so he has nine stages of the oh, spiritual life because okay. Bonaventure is a, is is a, is is a baller. It's kind of like how Super Mario has a whole bunch of mini worlds inside of the the main world. Exactly, it's the same exact stage, thing. Honestly, stage one dash two. <laughs> I just need to bless you. Okay, thank you. Don't cut that out. Um, so where was I going with that? I was talking about, oh yeah. So this rising like a fire, when I was doing lead over the summer, I felt like I was on fire. Yeah. I, did I tell you the, the, the winged horse analogy? Uh, no, I don't think you did. It's like the way I felt myself interacting with God. I felt like I was riding a horse, but like a horse that was flying. Like a Pegasus. Are you sure you weren't <laughs> praying to Zeus on accident? It, I was not. Okay. You always got to <laughs> check was, for those. When I, I, I read I read Narnia recently and like... These Percy Jackson looking, books looking are damaging back. our youth. Hey, listen, there's a Pegasus in Narnia. Okay. That's true. Yeah. So I, when, when, um, when Jill is riding the Pegasus in The Last Battle, I was like, that kind of like describes how I felt back then. I felt like I was... I felt like I wasn't I wasn't like being swept away. I felt very in control. But when you're riding a horse, in all honesty, you're not in control. The horse like you is. The horse bent the horse like allows you to have your free will in a sense when you like have the reins and in a sense the Holy Spirit gives you your free will, but in reality you are limited by his power which is infinite. So like the analogy breaks off there. But that's how I felt no, like But when, horses are infinite. Horses are infinite. The, they live forever, as we know by Frozen 2. As we know by um, I was going to say tough Irma, but Frozen two is good. Tough Irma, as we have learned by Secretariat, who I now know the identity of. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but the re- the reason I felt like that was because every every time I spoke, like I gave a talk, I felt I like had to pray afterwards because it was just so impactful to myself. I knew that the spirit was working because like it converted me in the midst of me talking to these kids. And then during adoration, I would like have. I would like Christ would be like, Hey, say this scripture verse. And I would say it. And I would see kids like go deeper into prayer by the looks on their faces when I was, when I was like preaching the word. And it was just such like, it was, it was one of the most docile moments I've ever been in. Right. And I was like, I was, I was praying, I was praying with soul of the apostle and I was like reading these sections and I was thinking back on where I was at over the summer. And I was like, I went on a retreat with my kids and I was like, okay, cool. God's going to do, he hasn't been doing it lately, but he's going to do exactly what he did on lead and he's going to like, I'm going to preach to these kids the same way I preach to those other kids who aren't my students. Right. And he didn't. And I was like, God, why am I not on fire? (laughs) And it's like, it's not his fault. He is fire. You know, (laughs) like he is, he is always burning. Right. 
it's not his fault I'm not on fire. And so I was like, God, like, why am I not burning? And I understand the fact, like, that consolation and desolation comes and goes, but I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. And so it's because I, I, I think I've, I've been like, I haven't been neglecting prayer. Like, I'm so hard on myself. I tell myself I'm neglecting prayer all the time, but I'm really not. The point is I'm, I'm like, he's calling me deeper and he's saying like, now you need to go deeper. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to do this advent. I wrote a blog post about it. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't, but that's, that's cool. because my phone has been broken and I've been looking at other things. So uh-huh. wait, how'd you text me? Oh, your Mac. You texted me on your laptop. Yes. Oh, okay. But I've also, it's like broken. The screen is broken, but I can still do like, Hey Siri, call Patrick. Like I can Patrick, still make yeah. a call, but the, anyway, I got, anyway. I got a new phone. I'm waiting for the old one to back up. So I can just transfer it all over. It's a whole process, okay. but <laughs> I love what you're talking about because I've I've definitely felt that fire, especially. I want to reiterate that it's not about feeling, and when I say feel, it's like the best analogy that I can use to describe something going on in my soul because there's yeah. it's different, you know. Like I don't like when I'm with my friends and I feel good and I feel like I'm having a great time with my friends. It's not the same as when I experience something uh, it's like an instinct experiencing something consoling in my soul like that's not the same it is like an instinct I don't really know how to describe it I have the only way that I've known how to talk about it is when I've got this right below my sternum this little ball of fire that's like the best way to talk about (laughs) it which sounds so stupid when I say it out loud but like that's how I experience it in like a small 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 way of when I'm in my holy hour or when I'm in uh, a, a Bible study or in a, in a one-on-one conversation that's going really, really well. And like, I know that the Lord is working in it. He gives me those sort of affirmations and those consolations to be like, this is good, right? This is what's supposed to be happening. And I don't yeah. expect those all the time, which is why I always go to prayer and I always do those things regardless of how I feel, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's weird to talk about it. Cause it's like, Oh, you're just, you're just on fire because you feel good. Well, what happens when you don't feel good? Are you any less on fire? Like that's, that was my problem when I, I had this great yeah. and amazing and consoling prayer on Monday. And then on Tuesday I was sick as a dog and I didn't feel on fire at all. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's, this is unfortunate. Did all, does all of that go away when I start to lose my physical health? Like yeah. is my, <laughs> is my fire reliant upon my, my physical ability to, to feel healthy and to like do the things that I normally do I don't know could I still be as much on fire if I were handicapped from the waist down yeah like that's that's the it comes back to the original question of like is God enough for me or do that's why we have anointing of the sick by the way because it's so hard to be deathly ill and still follow Christ yeah exactly yeah it's a whole sacrament (laughs) which is great I mean I should have gotten that um no (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's be grave illness. It was grave. I had to lay down. Oh my gosh. I saw your tweet about wanting my body's but my body's my tummy's like soup time. Soup time. I had to eat vegetable soup. That's all that we had. Ew. I know. But I ate some spicy chili this morning. It really cleared out the old nasal passages. It's like healthy cereal. What? It's gross. Chili. It's like chili's it's like, like vegetable, vegetable cereal. cereal. No thanks. Vegetable soup. Um anyway. But yeah, is God enough for me? Is is the happiness that I derive from health and wealth and um, 
people laughing the at elf on a shelf. <laughs> oh, sorry. People laughing at my jokes and material goods are like all of those things combined, like you know, the thing that is enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to be the answer, but sometimes it is the answer, which is really unfortunate. And so, <clears throat> all of this and recognizing like where I put limitations on myself, where I put limitations on what God is trying to do through me, um, I think is is a really important next step in where I'm going spiritually. I don't know where I'm going to end up and I don't know what it's going to, what's going to happen, but I do know that join the club. <laughs> yeah. I do know that like, it's a pretty big club. If nothing else, the Lord wants me to keep coming back to himself, right. To keep mm-hmm. giving him that hug, to keep resting on his, on his chest, to hear his heartbeat and then be lit on fire and then not to immediately throw the pee bucket onto myself. <laughs> but to like, and I tried to do that on Monday. I went to mass. This is great. This is a practical way that I tried to implement the thing right away. Was like I the pee bucket? No, 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 not the pee bucket. Um, that's for later. <laughs> I went <laughs> <laughs> a special surprise tool that will help a us. Surprise later. tool. It's in my inventory. Uh, I was in mass at noon on Monday with some students. And I know that my natural instinct after mass on Monday is to, like get out. And sometimes the students will like to like talk to each other and, and we're downtown at the cathedral because there's no mass at the Newman Center on Mondays. All I want to do is go and eat lunch. I'm so hungry by that time. It's it's 1230. I've been deprived of food all day. All I want is everybody get in the cars. Let's go eat. Why are we why are we dawdling? We got stuff to do. <laughs> and I needed myself a hot New York slice. I got to go get me. A penny, a greasy some boy. stromboli, uh, <laughs> a nice galazone. And so I, but instead of like trying to rush myself out of there and just like make yeah. surface level conversation with people, I was like, all right, I've got this fire. This needs to change how I act, right? Because it, it can't just be about me. And so I tried to like go have good conversations outside and like stick around and, and talk to people and be really interested in what they were saying and like really respond genuinely to people instead of like responding enough so that I could get through the conversation without being rude, which is a huge danger when your job is to talk to people all the time is to be like, well, I got to finish these conversations. So I get to the important conversations. It's like, actually Oof, yeah, all of them are important. You idiot. That's because they're all with people. They're all with people. Hey, you're not an idiot. I know. I know. But I feel like one sometimes. And so that that was just a small way of like getting really excited for somebody when they told me some good news. Whereas otherwise I would have been like, oh, that's awesome. But like I actually gave him a big hug and like that's not a guy that I normally give big hugs to because we don't get along that well. But in that moment, like it didn't matter because the fire was there, you know, and I had to respond in that way. And so is that sustainable all the time? I have no idea. But is that a glimpse into like what people talk about when they say radiating sanctity? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to say that I radiate sanctity, but I will say that I was closer to it by genuinely listening to people in that moment <laughs> than I otherwise would have been. So there's there's a really there's a really interesting like don't feel bad about not radiating sanctity cuz like there's a part in Soul of the Apostolate where he lays out like the nine steps mm-hmm, of holiness. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like I'm on level 2 where it's like uh, usually doesn't mortal lists. sin but sometimes does it's like oh wow <laughs> there's seven other other steps after this one yikes 
I I like I like lists like that because I'm always like, huh, okay, I'm farther than I thought, but there's more there's than I so thought. Much you more. know, like the fa- the where you when you get past the point where you're no longer committing venial sins, it's just imperfections that you have to like work on. It's like how how what does how is anybody there? I also didn't know that. I know two people that I think are there. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. So I um, name them. Just the two people. And give me their phone numbers. Okay. Uh, there's um in in the office today in in divine office it talks about like seek counsel from every wise man. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost went up and talked to this priest after mass once. He said my friend's wedding and he gave he, we hear he heard he heard my confession the night before the wedding and it was like he's such a good and holy priest. Um, he's one of the friars at Franciscan, and. Uh, he, they say he called people have said that he's called this i've never called him this like the, the smile father smiley but he does always have a smile on his yeah. face and he is his name is father nathan and he is so great just like from a like paternal perspective he's just very fatherly um i forget what i asked him i made like a stupid song reference to him or like movie reference to him and he was like oh i've never seen that movie no and I was like, I explained it to him and he was like, oh, he laughed at my joke, even though I, he didn't get it. And he seemed extremely genuine. He just, he's just like, he's happy to see me, even though he doesn't really know who I am. Um, he frequently like apologizes for not remembering people because he's turning senile and all that stuff. And he, he's one of those people who's like, you've probably, you probably don't sin, but he does always talk about how he's like, oh, I've got a lot of stuff I need to work on. Like I have not reached my perfection yet. And I'm like, father, Nathan. This is true humility. This isn't the the bullcrap like yeah. fake humility where I'm like, man, I suck. Yeah, because I actually believe that. Yeah. But it's like the the real humility where you're like, no, I know exactly where I am. Yeah. I know how far I need to go. I know how far I've come. And looking looking back, I know I I look back fondly on who I was in high school because it's kind of like nostalgic, you know. Yeah. I look back on thinking that being a Catholic meant listening to Matt Marr on my bike ride home. You know, <laughs> that's cute. That's that's where I was back yeah. then, and now I know so much more about God than listening to the Alive Again album on repeat. I miss that thinking being a good Catholic was just defending the faith on Twitter.com. On Yahoo Answers. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm looking in Soul of the Apostolate for that. Uh, that are we both reading Soul of the Apostolate? I have it in my bag all the time. That's a you never know when you're gonna when you're gonna need it. They need one of those like pocket versions of go, it, like they have go. for the catechism. I'm going to read this. This will be the last thing we can talk about. And then okay. if people have more questions about all this stuff, you know where to find please. us. I would lo- Not I Twitter. love talking about prayer and also the Lord evangelization and how I'm Lord. trying to figure it all out. So there's number one, the first level hardened in sin, uh, stubborn persistence, stubborn persistence in sin, either out of ignorance or because of a maliciously warped conscience. Deliberate refusal to have any recourse to God. Yikes. <laughs> uh, number two, yes, and it's immortal sin. Number two, surface Christianity. Um, the soul gives easily gives way and commits mortal sin at every possible occasion or temptation. Um, prayer is mechanical. You're either inattentive or it's always dictated by temporal interest. Level three is mediocre piety. You have weak resistance to mortal sin. You hardly ever avoid the occasions of mortal sin, but you seriously regret having sin and you make good confessions. For your venial sins, you completely accept them and you're very tepid about getting rid of them. You pray from time to time, but you pray well. You have momentary fits of fervor. Number four, intermittent piety. You have loyal resistance to mortal sin. You habitually avoid occasion of mortal sin. You deeply regret it and you do penance. 
uh, for your venial sins. It's sometimes on purpose. You put up a weak fight to it. Your sorrow is only superficial. You make a particular examination of conscience, but not without any, but without method or coherence. And you're not firmly resolved to remain faithful to meditation. You give it up as soon as your dryness is felt or as soon as there's business to attend to. I feel like I float in number four pretty often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number five, we'll see. Number five is sustained piety. You never uh, commit mortal sin, at very most rare, when taken suddenly and violently by surprise. And then it is often to be doubted if the sin is mortal. Um, venial sin, you're vigilant in avoiding it and fighting it. It's rarely deliberate. deliberate. Um, you're consistently examining yourself, um, but aiming at avoidance of venial sin. And you have a lot of imperfections, but you're avoiding uncovering them, and you're avoiding fighting them. And then for prayer, you're always faithful to prayer no matter what. Um, alternating consolations and desolation. Uh, when you're desolation, you do have it. You're enduring it with a lot of hardship. Um, I would say that is the next step for me, specifically about like, yeah, uncovering imperfections and like trying to get rid of them, um, and always being faithful to prayer no matter what. Because there are still some days where it's like Thanksgiving and I'm with my family and I'm like, ah, ah I, can I didn't have it. time for prayer today. That's yeah. no bad. Not bad. I was with my family. It's like, <laughs> Ethan, what are you talking about? Level six is fervor. Uh, mortal sin is completely off the table here. You never deliberately venial sin, um, sometimes by surprise or sometimes when you're uh, trying to avoid it, but you imperfectly do it. Um, it's very regretted. Your imperfections, you want nothing to do with your imperfections. You watch over them. You fight them so that you can be more pleasing to God. Um, you accept some of them, but you're trying to get rid of most of them. And your mental prayer is gladly prolonged. That's a that's a great adverb there. Gladly prolonged. Um, very simple prayer. Powerful consolations and fierce trials. So you're going back and forth. The Lord is really uh, testing you and trying you, but also rewarding you and for your perseverance. a quick note here. I think when we talk about the dark night of the soul, we're talking about this area right here between six and seven. Yeah. When you're moving from your powerful consolations and fierce trials, I think a lot of people that mean well, they're at the sustained or intermittent piety stage, levels four and five, mm -hmm. where they're like, they're moving away from mortal sin, but they're not yet completely purged of mortal or venial sin. And they really don't make any mention of their imperfections. They don't, they, they just see their imperfections as normal or whatever. Um, and we, we, we hit dryness in prayer level four, like intermittent piety talks about you give up prayer as soon as it's felt. I think a lot of us fall into this category. Not a lot of us, but I think some of us fall into, maybe I do fall into this category where I, when I feel the dryness and I'm like, Dark night of the soul time, time to completely give up prayer. But that's not what, that's not what dryness, that's not what darkness of the soul means. Yeah. It means like, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been in this stage. I, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in the spiritual life where I would hear this at Franciscan. It's like someone, someone talks about how they're feeling dry in prayer and they go, well, you know, mother Teresa spent 30 well, years in dryness. Calm down. And it's like, yeah, she did. But she also like made a vow to never contradict the Lord's will under penalty of mortal sin. Yeah. And I haven't done that. So I'm probably not going to have 30 years of dryness. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You'll be okay. Um, Should we even talk about the last three? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's important just to say what they are so we know like how yeah. far we have to go. I'll go through them real quick. Level seven is relative perfection. You're guarding against your imperfections energetically. This doesn't mention venial sin anymore. So at this point, we've given up venial sin. Sin. Sin, sin, is, gone. sin is gone. It's not even It's just mentioned. imperfections. Um, you have a habitual life of prayer, even when occupied in external works. 
Um, you want to attach yourself to the Lord, detach yourself from the world. You're hungry for the Eucharist in heaven, um, which is great. Level eight, heroic perfection. Uh, you only have the impulse towards your imperfections. You don't even have anything beyond that. It's just like the the human like drive towards imperfection that is driving it, nothing else. You have supernatural graces of contemplation, uh, sometimes accompanied by extraordinary phenomena, lots of purification. You prefer sufferings to joy, which is wild. Not so. Yeah, and then <laughs> the last level, complete sanctity. Your imperfections are hardly apparent. Your prayer is usually transforming union. Usually transforming union. Uh, spiritual marriage with the Lord, purifications by love, ardent thirst for sufferings and humiliations. Few and far between are the souls that belong to the last two, even to the last three categories. So don't worry. Yeah. Even in the book, he says, it's rare that you're going to make it this far, bucko. But Yeah, so don't look at the top and be like, I need to be no, there like I do. You just look at the next, um, even within your yeah. own level, like hitting all of the categories of like, am I eliminating mortal sin? Am I eliminating venial sin? Am I eliminating my imperfections? Am I growing in prayer? And like taking it one one step at a time, one day at a time. This follows the nine stages that Bonaventure mentions. It's like the first three are purgative. The next three are, are illuminative, meaning like you like find truth. And then the last three are unitive, but they still follow within themselves. They follow purgative, right. illuminate, and unitive. Which is cool. Um, which is crazy. But like if you... I. You said level two earlier, and I was like, Ethan, in all charity, no, you're not. <laughs> I know you well, and and you're and I think if you're listening to this podcast and you and you hesitate to put yourself in, you're like, well, I don't want to say I'm halfway to perfection, you know, by saying I'm at level four or five. Be honest, mm -hmm. be honest with yourself, and like, and search your heart and say, like, am I? To be honest, do I just I, consider I just mortals? forgot how the yeah. levels broke down. I said level two. No, I understand. Example, I understand. I <laughs> understand. I've been there too. But I did read it yesterday, so I was like, what? Ridiculous. Because, <laughs> like, I, I doubt you consider mortal sin as a trifling evil. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like mortal sin at all. Yeah, really, really not a fan, honestly. Like, big, big, two huge thumbs down. So, like, I, I mean, be honest with yourself, like, in, 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 dear listener, you know, like, let yourself, let yourself be perfected by God and, like, understand your piety. Like, I, it, it's funny, it's funny how the opposite of, the opposite of pride sets in. It's like the antithesis of pride. It's a pride. It's an anti-pride. You know what I mean? It's still pride, but it's like it disguises itself. It kind of sets in around around here in the spiritual life. At least maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a, a universal thing. But we start to like kick ourselves and that's kind of an anti-humility. You know, it's a little like... Yeah. The, the, the stages between... <clears throat> The third castle and the fourth castle. I know we were we're not talking about interior castles right no. now. Is humility and moving, moving from the first part of the illuminative stage into the next is a huge test of your humility, and the reason is because God wants to put you through this test to see if you're ready to move into this into the severe, and the like the real deep aspects of prayer because the fervent. The fervent stage talks about how you are gonna go. You're gonna go between powerful consolation and ardent trial, which means that you are going to experience the love of God in a more real way than you've ever felt before, and you're also going to be powerfully tested. And He needs to make sure that you can make it, because if you're relying on your own strength, you're not going to be able to handle the sight of God, 
let alone the unleashed power of hell against you, you know? And so that's where this stage is. And so like, oh, like honestly, one of the first imperfections that I want to get rid of, this is, I'm talking kind of to me, but I feel like a lot of people are in the same boat. It's like, I read this and I was like, I need to be more humble. That's the only way to move through this. I've, I've used this analogy before. I was at Wonderworks once. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know what that is. Wonderworks is like an indoor amusement park, Ripley's, believe it or not. It's in Orlando. And there was this uh, there was this game where it, it hooked you up to brain sensors, and there was a ball in the middle of a tube. Oh, yeah. And you were essentially playing against another person. Have I told you about this? No, but I know about the game. Yeah. So there's a ball in the middle of the tube, and you're playing across from another person. You both have brain scanners on your heads. And whoever has the most amount of brain activity, the ball will go towards them. And so you have to essentially like shut down the active thinking part of your brain in order to win this game. But the problem is the quick, the more you start losing, the more like anxious you get and like the harder it is to actually win. Mm -hmm. It's similar. The prayer life is similar, right? When you, when you start like thinking too much about it, when you start like overthinking, you start to lose. And then that, that you start to like slip and you feel a little bit of dryness and then it just all tumbles down all at once. And so the best way to win I, I hesitate to say this. I was very good at the game. I was able to shut my brain off like that. Um, I'm not good at shutting off my brain in prayer. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the analogy I have. I think prayer can be summarized like this: just try to get the brain ball. Are you trying to make a title? No, I was just being. Oh. I was trying to be honest. Get the um, brain ball. I have to go because I'm 20 minutes late for a meeting. But yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Uh, I love prayer. I love talking about prayer. Um, you can find us on twitter.com at Brapostle, at Catholic Pat, at the Crunchcast. You can don't DM my personal Twitter account. I got nine DMs and I didn't answer any of them. I checked on Phoebe's phone yesterday. Please, Yikes. please DM me. I'm so lonely. I'm so. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram. Ethan Stevie Patrick Demi I I I. I think the Crunchcast is on there. I never know for sure. It, it is. is. You can email us with your hot takes, with your questions, and with your anything. It, and with your, I'm going to SLS, and I want to exactly. see you Exactly. Info at com, please. If you would like to advertise with us, I don't know why you wouldn't, but just let us know. It's kind of ridiculous. It's very cheap. <laughs> uh, and apparently we do well. And apparently so. we do well. So, with that being said. We have said, a niche market and loyal fans. With that being said, Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Get that brain ball. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we will see you all next week.